What do you do when you have a client who just won't listen to a judge's order? Well, today we're going to find out about one of those top lawyers representing Kwame Kilpatrick or former Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick. We're talking today with Michael Schwartz, who quite frankly started his legal career on the other side, which is an assistant district attorney in Brooklyn, New York, and then came here to Michigan to work with several firms, including the infamous Jeffrey Figer. He had a cameo spot, actually, even on the disarmament of Richard Nixon, and now obviously is uh, the former uh, attorney for Detroit Mayor Kwame Kirkpatrick. He's also general counsel for the Word Network. Mike, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Mike, what is the story with uh, Kwame in terms of, you know, I want to get back to actually, why did he plead in the first place? You know, you and I have represented people for many, many years that, quite frankly, might have taken that case to trial. But he chose to plead. What was his reasoning in that? Well, you know, I wasn't part of the legal team at the time, so I don't have some of the inside uh, knowledge as to why he took a plea. But obviously, uh, and you know because you used to be a prosecutor and so did I, uh, people take pleas for a variety of reasons. Sometimes they just simply get to the point where they feel that if they were to go to trial, the the cost and, and the expense of uh, mounting a full defense would be so huge that they just couldn't bear it. Sometimes people don't go to trial because they feel that it's uh, perhaps a bad situation. There may be other things involved, such as prejudice or bias that people may have one way or the other, and they feel that they're better off trying to limit their, their liability by taking a plea. Some people, of course, also plead because they're really guilty. So right. Well, we see I, all those things. I tell you, in this case, I mean, it obviously when anybody, and you and I have seen it for years, anybody that would go to jail or prison and they feel that they were not necessarily wrong in terms of the plea, but were wronged in the violation of the probation, which is what the sense I get from Kwame, that he felt exactly like you said. He might have done something wrong, whether it was so extreme or not, he was going to take his medicine, and then he really had a judge that he just didn't get along with. He just didn't see eye to eye with. Is that the way we should read this? Well, you know, the best way to read it, and I think you're right on that, take a look at what he did. When you take away all of the sensationalism, all the emotionalism and everything, what he did, was he got on this witness stand and he lied about cheating on his wife. Did not want the world to know, did not want his wife to know that he had cheated on her. So he lied under oath. Now that's a crime, and you can't uh, say anything other than that's a crime, no question about it. He then takes this plea, and he gets sentenced. And one of the sentence features is that he has to pay a million dollars in restitution. Now he agreed to that, but... If you look at the statutes, restitution is for certain things, and I'm not sure that that would have applied in this particular case, because when he lied, the jury didn't know that. And when this was all discovered, the jury had already reached its verdict, so it didn't really impact on the verdict of the jury or on the ultimate payment of money in terms of the dollars. And that's really what's going to get him on this. You know, he got sentenced, and because the judge made it a condition of parole, I mean, isn't he going to be liable to have to pay back over 800000 or go back to prison? Well, no, it depends. If you do not have the money, if you are financially unable to make the payment, you cannot be put into prison for that. We don't have debtors prison anymore in this country. The United States Supreme Court and our Michigan Supreme Court have a number of cases that say that if you are 
not able to pay because of lack of financial ability, you cannot uh, be uh, penalized by putting you in jail or into prison. So tell our audience, what will happen if he gets out and he can't pay it back? What will happen? Uh, it depends, again. Will he have a job? Will he be able to make money? Will he have the ability to make the payments? If the answer to those questions are no, he doesn't, then probably nothing will happen to him. But, you know, I take a look at this thing. Let's look at what the violation of probation consisted of. When you strip away all of, again, the emotionalism and the sensationalism, what it is is Judge Groner said that Mr. Kilpatrick did not disclose something which he was required to disclose. That's the basic uh, violation he's got. He's also got a violation where he didn't turn over a certain amount of money that he got in his uh, tax refunds. Now, as it also turns out, he paid $140,000 uh, toward the restitution. So it's not as if he just didn't turn over the refunds and didn't make any payments. $140,000 is a considerable amount of money. It is, now, he, but it but it is still, what, just a little more than 10% of the total restitution. Well, you know, when you take a look at people who, well, take a look at what his abilities were. You know, he was making $10,000 a month gross. From that, you have to take away taxes. Then there are costs of living. And whatever's left is whatever you have to pay. So if you take a look at that, he grossed over a period of a year $120,000 plus a $60,000 advancement. Uh, so that was $180,000. You get $180,000, taxes are rather considerable on $180,000, and yet there was $140,000 paid. That's pretty good, I would say. We're talking with uh, Mike Schwartz from, uh, obviously, uh, Kwame Kilpatrick's former attorney and one of the top attorneys here in the uh, in the Detroit area. What can you tell us about the Tamar Green case? Are you involved in that at all with Kwame? No, but I can tell you this much. And, and again, Tamar Green was killed uh, in a uh, drive-by shooting in April of 2003. This uh, party that was supposed to have occurred in the Manoogie Mansion was supposed to have occurred in November of 2002, some six months before. When Tamara Green was killed, she was sitting next to her boyfriend, who was, I understand, a uh, person involved in the drug trade. Now, the question that you have to ask is twofold. Number one, was there a party? I don't even think it makes a difference whether there was or there wasn't. Because how do you link that to something that happened six months later? A better question is, who was the target of the drive-by shooting? Was it her or her... Uh, boyfriend, because it would be uh, very likely that he could have been. And how do, you, how do you come up with a connection between the two? They seem to be stuck on this question of whether or not there was a party. Eight years have gone by. Eight years? I mean, that's some... Eight that... years, and not one person says, hey, I was at some that movie. party. Not one. Now, that's kind of unusual. I mean, that's really unusual. By that's like true. That, yeah. What makes you think that we won't have another eight years, and still nobody comes forth to say that they were at the party? But even if they do, what does that prove? Well, it doesn't I mean, have it, anything to do with her death. I mean, let's face it. show a linkage, and they, they don't even begin to do that. I mean, let's, show, let's face it, obviously, if they had evidence and they had different people coming forward, they would have come up with charges. I would think if they had the ability to show that there was a uh, premeditated murder at the behest of whomever, Yes, they would have gone ahead and charged people with the crime. They don't have anything. They haven't charged a person now. Whether that's because people don't want to talk or whether it's because the entire premise of this case is, is incorrect doesn't really make a difference because without uh, a link between 
this alleged party and the shooting six months later, uh, what do you have? We're talking with uh, Mike Schwartz, obviously one of the attorneys on the Kwame Kilpatrick case, but he also actually does, uh, he's general counsel now for the uh, Word Network broadcast. Tell us what that's about. Well, the Word Network is headquartered in Southfield, Michigan. It is an international broadcast um, entity, and what it does is it engages in religious broadcasting throughout the world. They have broadcast sites in all around the United States. You'll find it on all of your cable TVs uh, here in the metropolitan Detroit area. You'll find it all around the United States, North America, South America, Asia, Africa, and Europe. It's got approximately 70 million viewers. It is a uh, probably the uh, major religious broadcaster in the world. Now, all different religions? Uh, primarily, it's... Um, African-American, uh, there are others on there, such as Paula White, uh, but it is uh, mostly uh, Christian, different denominations. It's not one denomination, but it, it's basically Christian broadcasting. And how are they involved here from Detroit? Is it run based out of Detroit? Uh, the headquarters is here in Detroit, and the uh, programs originate here and then are uploaded to uh, satellites, and then it's beamed down all across the uh United States. Well, it sounds like a good and project. the rest of the world. It sounds like a good project, and we uh, wish you best with that. If you have any more information, obviously, on Kwame or you get back involved, we'll hope you come back on the show. We've been joined by Mike Schwartz, who represented Kwame Kilpatrick, and, uh, and now, obviously, the, uh, the Word Network. Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. What is it about, what is it about philanderers that always gets us going? I mean, it just, it always makes us think that we have someone in our sights. And isn't that what happened with Tiger? Isn't that what happened with, with uh, Kwame? That whether you have, whatever you have proof or not that someone is a philanderer, someone is, like we talked about uh, before with Rick, that someone is committing adultery, it's always about, well, we're, the perception is that one, they're guilty, and two, that they're obviously committing some kind of crime. And yet, adultery is never, except in the very rare circumstances, prosecuted. And the times they get in trouble are exactly what happened to Kwame. They lined her oath about it, just like Clinton. They lined her oath about it. And until Tiger does that, I'm telling you right now, nothing is going to happen to him criminally, that is for sure. And he's not going to be stupid enough to do that, um, to try and commit some kind of crime to cover up what other people have already assumed that he has already, uh, has already done. Have you or a loved one been arrested or charged with a crime? Do you want to stay out of jail and try to keep your record clean? Then you need the attorneys from Weinberg Law at 1-800-7100-LAW. And if you call right now, they can qualify you for a payment plan designed just for you. That's right, an affordable top criminal law firm. Call 1-800-7100-LAW. Stay out of jail, keep your record clean, and qualify for payment plans. Call now, 1-800-710-0529. That's 1-800-7100-LAW.